0: Hey, Mums the Word listeners, Kaz
1: Shaf here again. We've got a fantastic interview for you this week. It's a recovery story of uh, a child with behavioral disorders and it is shared by an amazing powerhouse, super determined, incredibly inspiring uh, mum, actually a warrior mum really, and Kinta Gitchum, she's an ordinary mum who has had an extraordinary journey through motherhood. She's a stay-at-home mother of three gorgeous children, Archie who is eight, Josie who is six, and George who is three. She's currently separated from her husband of 10 years, Rick, since March this year, 2016. However, they are still an incredible team for the kids, and with time, Kinta feels that things will mend just beautifully. She has pushed through and survived severe postnatal depression and anxiety for all her three children, recovered from a minor breakdown and helped recover their son Archie who's being diagnosed from autism spectrum disorder and PDD, NOS, ADHD, anxiety, sensory processing disorder and suspected but not diagnosed ODD. It's been quite the journey. And I'm very excited to introduce this um, this interview to you. And it's a long one, but it's definitely worthwhile. And um, you're going to be inspired like I was with Kinta's story. So here you go. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Kinta, I'm so happy to have your mum's the word. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Hey, Kaz. Thanks so much for having me. I'm absolutely honoured, actually. I'm a uh... No, it's a bit funny. I'm a little podcast virgin in a way. I've only just come into the world of podcasting and listening and it's very exciting. So thanks very much for having me. You're Um, very welcome. Let's share with the listeners. We met
1: at the Wellness Summit that was uh, not that long ago and we just ended up chatting and you came to the Mums the Words stand and we just... Yeah, it's like everything around us shut down and we just got into this conversation and it all came up about um, your story with Archie, your son. And so I said, you know what, let's stop this and we need to get it all recorded. So here we are and probably about one or two months later. Yeah. And um,
2: yeah, please do share. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Actually, the Wellness Summit was amazing. So that was the my first ever intro into podcasting world. So it was pretty cool. Um so yeah, I'm Kinta, I'm uh, 36 years of age, I live in Albury and I've got three beautiful children, um, Archie who's eight, my little Josie's six and George is three and um, yeah, we live in regional New South Wales and had quite the journey into motherhood which I'll go into a little bit later. Um Currently am separated with my husband of 10 years. Uh, We separated in March, but we continue to be a very strong team together and are working lots of things out. So we have no doubt that hopefully in the very near future things will reunite and be fabulous again. But, um, yeah, I just... I'm passionate, mother. uh, Passionate, all things gut health at the moment, and whole foods, and recovery from a load of different things, which I'll talk about very soon.
1: Excellent. So, um, let's let's just start at the very beginning, I guess. Archie, being your eldest, if you want to go back to, I guess, your first time um, being pregnant and how all that was.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Archie, Archie. Well, my pregnancy with Archie was all amazing. It was. There was no worries, there was no complications. The only thing I probably could add was I feel that I probably had a touch of depression and anxiety that was undiagnosed. We've got quite the family history, Um, but... You know, going forward, Rick and I had just got married. We were a year into our marriage and we yearned to have a family and we thought that, you know, we dreamed the dream, having an amazing, happy and healthy family. Um, We wanted three kids and so we sort of got stuck into it and we were absolutely so fortunate that we had no dramas at all falling pregnant. It was more the opposite actually and not enough practicing (laughs) (laughs) Um but uh yeah we fell pregnant and my pregnancy was just smooth sailing and we got to the point where I was uh full term and Archie decided to start entering the world two weeks post that so he was overdue and or you know over the you know Estimated arrival day. Date. I mean yep. that's it, yeah. And um yeah, and we sort of had quite the, the journey into welcoming me into the world. So his uh, delivery was quite extensive ended up having quite uh, a very long labor of 36 hours um, with an emergency seizure at the end he became uh, went into fetal distress and had quite a few complications after that as well so it sort of set us up to have a few issues which now looking back I can see them very very clearly but at the time sort of you know you're in that whole new world of complete exhaustion and I just had no idea what I was sort of stepping into
1: yeah it's all new of course and are you talking there in terms of uh, bonding or you talking breastfeeding or sleep or what 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 are you alluding to
2: sort of a bit of everything like I know um you know it's all about Archie and his diagnoses of different disorders and things like that but I also have had quite the journey with postnatal depression so it all sort of all um manifested from his birth in a way I sort of I did a lot of uh leading up to his birth I did a lot of um you know yoga and getting into the right headspace and had this whole beautiful vision of how I thought it would go and it just you know I had way too high expectations and didn't give any complications too much thought and that is what sort of happened for us um Knocked you sideways, basically. Completely knocked me sideways and I sort of uh, hit the ground running as a mother, completely exhausted and completely depleted. I sort of had a partial hemorrhage at birth and, you know, and at the time our particular hospital where we had Archie, we didn't have a lot of support. I just sort of seemed to get, you know, the rough end of, you know, night nurses and midwives and had a couple of amazing ones but just seemed to get a really hard intro into being a mum. So, um, yeah, it sort of set us up to have a little few things. Um, we got diagnosed later with attachment disorder. I never – I worked so hard to have Archie. as a 36-hour labour with him and I worked so hard. You know, majority of that was um, – medication pain-free um he was posterior presenting so it was quite painful and i just wanted this baby so badly and worked so hard to get him but you know my pelvis was just all a little bit out of shape and things like that and he never would have come through unfortunately so thank god for intervention and all that sort of stuff because we probably wouldn't be here to tell the story if it wasn't so um But it's sort of, there was a lot of blankety blanks through our birth and, you know, at day five when I was set to go home, um, you know, the nurses sort of came in and said goodbye and I'm like, well, I don't know who that baby is really and I don't want him and I don't, you know, I don't feel like feeding him and I just never had that, oh my God, this is my baby, I love him. You know, I never had that, you know, beautiful connection that you sort of hear a lot about. So, you know, from the get go, it was going, it was setting us up to sort of have a quite a, a long journey of struggle.
1: I mean, we've definitely talked before about how that doesn't always kick in for everyone. And of course, if you're robbed from the oxytocin experience, that that can play um, a very large role. But when did that start to be that you started to feel that connection?
2: Cause for me? It, yeah, for you. Yeah, for me, um, not till he was about 18 months. It mm-hmm. was a long time. Yeah. It was a long time. So, you know, um, we went home. Archie had quite significant head trauma. He was sort of stuck in the birth canal. So he had quite that massive cone-shaped head when he was born. He had – we had a lot of osteo. We did a lot of osteo work and a lot of chiro work when he was first born because he had like a – they called it a banana bend sort of in his in his head. So – we worked a lot on all that sort of stuff and I sort of knew I don't know it's like call it your mother intuition I sort of knew that there was something not right um with him or something wasn't sitting right with him at birth and I don't know what it was but I just had that feeling and um you know going home and then you know not not feeding, I had a lot of breastfeeding sort of issues and at the start and um not just not attaching to him like I'd feed him and then I'd put him down on the ground and I'd look at him and I'd you know pick him up I loved him but I just didn't I don't know that that emotional connection wasn't there for us so it was really tough um but yet I wanted motherhood so badly and and that's what I sort of struggled with um in those early days yeah yeah
1: so in terms of like I guess symptoms or behavior or when you sort of thought I mean I know you said there was a mother's instinct that something wasn't right when was that sort of I guess becoming more concrete for you
2: Um, probably, you know, um, probably from when he hit around two years of age. So uh, although looking back now, knowing all about the gut health stuff that we've been working tirelessly about in the last six to 12 months, um, he had a lot of issues when he was born. So he had uh, bronchiolitis at five weeks. Uh, he had a lot of ear infections from six weeks, but as a baby, we were blessed. He was beautiful in the way that he slept really well Um, he fed really well he ate solids really well he hit all his milestones super fast like he was really advanced in all of that sort of stuff but you know the attachment thing for me wasn't there the postnatal depression had a massive role in a lot of that Um, and we started noticing signs that he would he was a little bit on the aggressive side which was a little bit it took Rick and I aback a lot because Rick and I are both so super soft and so cuddly and all that sort of stuff. And our little baby was beginning, was, you know, becoming very much different to that. So, and we didn't know where that was coming from. So he started to show a lot of aggression towards little friends. Even at eight months of age, he'd crawl over and he'd just latch onto them and, and whatnot. And a lot of people probably, I don't know, they dismiss that as being I don't know, eight months of age, you sort of, they don't learn that, do they? It's sort of something that's sitting in them. So for me, I used to look at that going, why, why is he doing that? I always used to ask a lot of questions in myself, you know, why, why is it all this happening? So the biggest, defining moment for us was when Josie arrived so Josie arrived two years and three days after Archie arrived and that's when we really noticed our little boy was starting to struggle he went from being a very um vocal beautiful uh, could express himself beautifully could chat he had a massive vocabulary he could rattle off 20 different native birds you know, you wouldn't just say, "Oh, those are cocky over there, mum." So, and be like, "There's a sulphur crested cockatoo, mum." You know, just you know, we just had a lot of things. He was in, very gifted and very his fine motor and gross motor skills were unreal. But it was his inability to have good social connections with kids, and he started becoming super duper aggressive.
1: Um, How was his eye contact at that point? Like, were you feeling connected in that sense? You could look look him in the eye and feel something there or was it not really there?
2: Yeah, no, um, it'd come and go, actually. He would have really, really good eye contact, especially with adults, like, Adults just never knew there was anything sort of going on with him. But with kids, he wasn't. He would just sort of glaze over and lock onto them a little bit. Um, or sometimes he'd glaze over and not, you, you know, you really struggled to get his attention. It was like he'd just drift off into another world and, um, and like I said before, he went from being a super sort of easygoing, quiet baby to um, you couldn't hold him close to. You have to hold him out so he was facing outwards. Um, and he was just, uh, when he started to walk and stuff, he wouldn't hold your hands. He'd sort of run off. And, you know, I sort of struggled with that as a mother. It's like, why don't you want to hold my hand or why can't I? comfort you and shush you or you know or just comfort you and 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 you cuddle into me he would you know he'd bite me or he'd grab hold of my face and stuff like that so that all really started to rear its head at two years of age um Josie came along and obviously she was you know a little baby and would cry and he would just get like so close to her face his nose would touch her nose and he just could not you know you couldn't tell him Archie, you're too close, honey, come away. He just, he never got that social um, awareness and that spatial awareness and and stuff like that. So,
1: yeah, from any Tuesday. Any day. sort of repetitive behaviours or anything like that?
2: We didn't really have a lot of the repetitive behaviours. Um, when we went through the whole diagnosis stage, um, our paediatrician, when we first walked in, he said, uh, he has nothing going on. I can tell them. They all look, they have this look and, you know, we've had quite a few issues with our paediatrician but um, he never was that, you know, when I started looking to aut- autism and what it was about, I I knew the movie Rain Man, which most people do and, you um, And Archie never sort of flapped his hands or anything, any of those classic autism traits. Archie sort of wasn't that. But he, you know, he had this massive vocabulary at two years of age. He could rattle off 20 different bird species and, you know, he could chat with adults and all that sort of stuff. So he was in that sort of, you know, so far advanced stage of a two-year-old. I started to do a little bit of research and came across, um, was it Jenny McCart mccarthy, McCarthy. McCarthy yeah, yeah came across her oprah was on and she was interviewing her good old oprah and um and that sort of started me looking into autism and Aspergers and those sort of things and i started to throw those things around within my family and they all everyone just shut them down and said look you're just looking into things too much he's just a busy little boy um yeah he's just busy and I'm like well I don't think I I think there's more to it my gut intuition was telling me more so
1: so where did that diagnosis come from then
2: so the diagnosis came really that everything that we tried um with parenting you know we have done the discipline stuff we did the timeout stuff but nothing was sticking like this clever little boy that you could teach about birds and wildlife and he'd suck all that information in he just was not getting the basics and you know it, it, and life at home was getting really, really ridiculously hard. He was becoming super aggressive towards his little sister. He would climb into his into her cot, he would try to hurt her, he would bite her, he would hit her no matter how much we tried to protect Josie he just I don't he just was like drawn to her like a magnet or any little kid he was just drawn to them he'd get very hyped up he hated loud noises Um, going to the supermarket became ridiculously hard and all of these things we could do earlier we begin you know becoming harder and harder and pretty much near impossible to do so we started looking into I think it was three and a half we or three, we started to approach um, the pediatrician and stuff and just to see what was actually going on. And it was quite the process, let me tell you that.
1: (laughs) So he's just super sensitive to, you know, I guess, noise, um, busyness, I guess, certain environments, maybe even itchy clothes and all these things that just overwhelm the nervous system
2: yeah absolutely um he you know socks he struggled with socks at some stage, but all everything sort of went in ebbs and fu- ebbs and flows like we went through the whole um, really difficult to clean his teeth you know and a lot of families or parents you know when we go through the whole support groups and stuff like that we talk about the old clean you know cutting the fingernails, cleaning the teeth and hair washing, like how hard those little basic sort of things are to do with kids on the spectrum or kids with sensory needs. So, um, you know, all those things were really, really hard. And we went through, um, we went to the pediatrician and he sort of suggested, you know, you need to go and do some OT and and we went through the whole diagnosis Process with occupational therapists, speech therapists, um, psychologists, and yeah, the process was absolutely huge. Actually,
1: that's a lot of appointments.
2: A lot of appointments, and at at that t- time, there was no funding for anything, so very very expensive to to do all those testings. You know, the I think did anyone
1: so- mention diet at that point? Because I mean, obviously.
2: Um, we actually, diet for us was something that my intuition sort of picked up on. Um, I knew he was reacting to a lot of foods. I could see he would get really super hyped up when he'd have an apple and just simple stuff. you like, you're a little kid, like, why is that affecting you that way? Yeah. Um, we that was our first sort of process was to go through Sue Dengate and we did the whole elimination diet and cut out all the process, you know, artificial colours and um, additives and things like that. And we noticed quite a dramatic change in his behaviour, but it wasn't the answer. Like it yeah, there was more to it than just cutting out those few little foods and things like that so but that definitely was something that we looked into and you know unbeknown to our pediatrician he thought that was all a waste of time so um we did that against his will um so you've changed pediatricians now we have now yeah only just though we Mm. fought fought the battle for a couple of years (laughs) yeah and that's what i'll say later on is just trust your gut and make sure that you stand for your rights and keep looking for the right people don't settle for you know second best type thing
1: yeah if already yeah if your gut's telling you otherwise so you've you've done the elimination diet and you've really yeah. kept a clean diet what else have you done in terms of um, treatments and therapies i know you mentioned chiro and osteo i guess more from a newborn phase and you know head and and you know i guess for more from the musculoskeletal side but what else have you moved into
2: or well, now, actually, just in the last six to twelve months, we've found so many, so many answers that have probably contributed to a lot of Archie's diagnosis. So Archie's diagnosed with uh, autism spectrum disorder, um, which. Uh, in the early days, before it was all under the one um, umbrella, it was he was diagnosed as pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. So PDD-NOS, it was quite the mouthful to say. Um, but he had massive sensory processing disorder. He was diagnosed a year later with the ADHD and oppositional def- um, defiance disorder was touched on, but never formally diagnosed. Like he's like the alphabet kid. He had all these letters
0: attached yeah. to
2: his name and it was like holy moly
0: with so much great information provided on each episode we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy healthy and safe for exclusive content as well as show notes links for everything we discuss on the episode as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed visit mums the word somewhere
1: along there he's also started school i guess in kinder
0: and
2: He did. And, you know, life for us was, he was just crazy. It was just, he was super aggressive. Um, He would hold it together though in certain circumstances. So people would see him and think that there was absolutely nothing wrong with him. But as soon as he would come home, he would just unleash. And that is pretty common right across the board with a lot of families, you know. A lot of the kids can hold it together for school or hold it together for daycare and or hold it together for nana and pal, or grandma or, you know, or a babysitter. But once, generally, once mum comes or, you know, once mum and dad comes home, they just unleash. It's like they've bottled up everything and they're just like, thank God you're home, I'm safe.
1: But I think that's true. I think that's true, even for me. You know, like my mum, poor poor thing. She cops most things because I just can be with her. But I even think, even my little one, when, um, you know, I used to, you know, pick her up from daycare. It, that's when she'd cry when she saw me. It was almost like this, oh my god! And I haven't cried all day, and now I can cry just from this relief you know, and to let it all out in, in that yeah. sense. Like still at the daycare, it's like, aren't you happy to – you know they're happy but they just cry because I think – they're. this is when they're really little – I think they've just been out of, you know, it's been so busy or, I don't know, I mean, it was a supportive daycare, so I don't think that she couldn't cry there, but it was more just like they let it out, and I think generally when they're tired, you know, obviously it's at the end of the day or 4.30 pick-up time when they sort of, you know, need another bit of food because they're low in blood sugar, and I mean, I would say that's probably true for a lot of people as well, so, but I know what you mean when they're like this angel child and then, you know, for you they're not.
2: Oh well, for, for yeah, I I get what you're saying, but for me it was more. It was just like this massive aggressive right. outburst. Yeah, like it wasn't he was just
1: emotional. It was.
2: Oh yeah. no no no! I wish he would be emotional. It was more. Um, it was more. He would just you know he'd grab hold of my face and or he'd just bite or he'd you know it was right. just all yeah, his physical. behavior would be like like a coiled-up spring, you know, and he'd just go ping and just unleash and, like, be hyped up and jumping all over the couches, even though we told him 10,000 times, don't jump on the couches. And hurting just, himself? Just, or? Oh, hurting himself. Uh, he had no – that was the other, the other sort of symptoms. He had no um, massive, massive high, high pain threshold on one end of the spectrum and then on the other end of the spectrum because of his sensory processing um, issues he, you know, someone could, if he was really bottled up and full of um, outside influences and, you know, unable to process stuff, if someone just touched him ever so slightly, it was like you would punch him in the arm, you know, or it was, it was just like send, the him end off. Of a, yeah. send him off, you know, or he, and then he'd just retaliate. And like I'm talking a three and four year old little boy, you know, um, being super aggressive and super hurtful and, that was my baby like and we hadn't shown him those like that come from nowhere and that's that was that was hard that was and, hard
1: and did anyone advise you with things like in you know, deep pressure massage and you know obviously in some of the therapies you know there's there's heavy suits and things like that just because it calms down their their brain as well I mean did anyone sort of move into that sort of work with you with the OT or
2: oh yeah absolutely that was our saving grace so um when we went through the whole process of uh, diagnosis, we went to an occupational therapist and they f- we filled out this massive form. Like I've filled out realms and realms of paperwork. Um, we filled out this form and he was diagnosed with quite an extensive, vast – sensory processing disorder so sensory processing disorder for those that don't know it's um your inability your brain's sort of wired differently it's an inability to um process everyday sights sounds tastes um smells and things like that so i watched a lot of youtube channels to get a better better idea of how it affected archie and there was adults on there telling telling us you know um to get your hair brushed was like literally someone sticking a thousand needles in your scalp and like it's just such a heightened sensation for them and and feeling and it's it's debilitating for a lot of them so you know for us to go to the supermarket Archie could smell a kid's stinky nappy three aisles down like or he could hear his, his hearing was incredible. I remember distinctively one day um, they did some waterworks out the front of the our, like our street, and we, they turned the water back on. and I poured Archie. I said, oh, "I want to drink a water." Like he was three, three and a half, and um, I want to drink a water, Mum. So I grabbed him a cup of water and I popped it down on the table, and he just looked at it. I said, "What's wrong, buddy?" He goes, "There's something wrong with it." I said, "No, it's water, buddy." And he goes, "Ah," and he just covered his ears. And I took a look at it and he, and he actually, um, you know, he just in fear sort of just flicked it off the table and it just went everywhere. So I went and poured another one and I looked at it and it was cloudy. And I knew that there was bubbles in it because of you know, they'd just turned the water mains back on. So the air bubbles. And I put it to my ear and you could hear the effervescence like well, you know, this little kid could hear that as I put that on the table and I didn't know that it was like that. And, or he could hear wow. someone mowing mowing the lawns five houses down, which I couldn't hear, but that would be enough to send. I'd look at his behaviour and I'd go, what's going on? And, you know, and then I'd investigate. So you sort of become this detective and you'd investigate and you go, oh, okay, yep, someone's mowing the lawns five houses down. Come here, buddy. You know, we did all the deep pressure stuff. So it was part of our process. We did the occupational therapy, and that's where we got a lot of answers for Archie. And that was where we got a lot of help in the initial days um, to be able to support him.
1: Yeah. And then, and obviously, you mentioned um, for me, it just sort of, I guess, pricks up in my ears that he had a lot of ear infections, and I guess it would have been antibiotics at birth as well. So when did it sort of get, um, I guess, into the gut, or when did you start medicating?
2: Oh, gosh. Okay. So, yeah, he had loads and loads of – he had grommets and he had loads of ear infections. He had bronchiolitis. He had roseola. So he got stack loads of antibiotics very early on. And, um, you know, and, and I believe now, knowing what I know with about gut health and stuff, that that's probably what's – affected majority of his symptoms so um our gut health journey started six you know six to 12 months ago depending oh well it's more so it started with me first I started to look into it for myself and then Archie and we have successfully been able to get him off all his medication for ADHD and anxiety so he was he was medicated for anxiety at four years of age Mm. four years of age my little boy was taking medication because he went from being this beautiful vibrant bubbly little baby who had the most spunkiest personality who had all these issues with aggression but had had the most amazing little personality like he Everyone that came in contact with Archie just adored him. It was just the little kids around his own age was the ones that were affected, either myself or the little kids were affected with his aggression. Um, But adults and that, they just loved him. And this little boy went from that to a very withdrawn fear, massive fears of... You know, he went from being this seeker to finding lizards and, you know, we were petrified. He'd go and pick up a brown snake, snake. He had no fear whatsoever to being completely fear-driven, like couldn't go outside. He wouldn't go outside for fear of magpies swooping and pecking him or we couldn't take him to the beach because, you know, as a four-year-old and five-year-old, they are just fears that no kid should have, like, and we couldn't do anything about it. So, you know, we went down the whole... um you know recommended medication from our pediatrician to medicate him for the low van and um, and also for the ADHD the year after that and um, you know and our little boy just regressed. I mean, I guess
1: if no one's giving you any option, I can totally understand where you go. But from my understanding um, in that sort of pharmaceutical world is that these are not drugs that are designed for kids. These are, are drugs that, you know, I guess they're trying to give them in equivalent doses per weight, um, but they haven't necessarily been tested in a lot of the pediatric population.
2: No, I know, but, you know, when we're prescribed them, we're told that they're all safe and all this sort of stuff. No, exactly,
1: you're not given any other option and I can imagine if you've got a child who doesn't want to walk barefoot on the grass or the sand or, you know, you, you obviously you see how much they're suffering, of course you want to numb that for them.
2: Well, absolutely, and for us personally, I suppose I was so sick with postnatal depression myself, you know depression anxiety, i was I was heavily medicated, and I just i couldn't I couldn't deal with like my head just could not deal with it, and I don't know how I honestly don't know how we've got to where we've got to. like I was so sick and for us it was a it was it was a last resort it was a coping mechanism it's like oh my god i can't do this anymore like no so, i totally imagine know. that's the same for everyone oh absolutely and and you know um everywhere i looked and research you know i spoke to our pediatrician i said what about going gluten-free dairy-free and they're like oh that's just pogwash like don't even waste your breath. You know, this is our pediatrician that we had and we we're blessed with him, not. And he just, you know, he just, everything that I, my gut intuition brought up, he just smashed. And because I was so unwell myself, that was enough to sort of smash that down, you know, or, and not allow me to go and, um, in, you know, investigate it further or, you know, to a certain point. And then I'd, I'd get a bit the better of me. So our little boy would be, Sorry, I'm a bit all over the shop. No, no, that. I, I apologize think it's so for that because... important that we're <laughs> sharing
1: this story because there must be so many people out there who have a similar situation where they go and their gut's telling them one thing and, they're you know, they've read a lot and, you know, there's a lot to be said for the internet and I know people say you shouldn't use that as your only resource. I agree, but there's plenty of people sharing their stories about their child going uh, gluten-free, casein-free and and healing. Let's just say Jenny McCarthy, for example, or, or, you know, people trying certain things like probiotics and um, fermented foods and so they cannot be miscounted and that's why it's so important that we, you know, we share this story. So it's, yeah, it's perfect that this is um, what you're sharing.
2: Thank you. I'm just, I feel like I'm a little bit all over the shop. My memory from my my history is very scratchy and um, I'm trying my best to remember it all but, um yeah, we we Archie's gut health stuff, like we I looked into all this and Jenny McCartney was the biggest sort of, you know, um, influence I suppose. And we tried the gut we tried the dairy free and the gluten free, but, you know, we saw a little bit of um, improvement, but not greatly. He was medicated. That's at that stage. But unbeknown to me, he had massive gut issues. Like he had massive bacteria issues. He had massive deficiencies, and he had massive parasite issues. And to go solely gluten free, dairy free, that's not going to fix that. No. And the symptoms that come from that needs addressing in a whole, you know, a whole different area. And that's what we've been doing. And we're kicking massive goals now. But you know, um, yeah, our pediatrician, he just laughed. He just laughed at me when I suggested it and he hasn't seen Archie since. And we've we've managed to get him off his Ritalin um, or his Concerta for his ADHD mm-hmm. when we've managed to get him off his anxiety medication and he's thriving. Like he's really thriving. Amazing. And our spunky little kid with the most incredible – um, gorgeous personalities coming back, his caring ways are coming back, his gentle touch is coming back like all those symptoms um, connection really yeah connection have, have are starting to return. so when he was in the full grip grip of uh, his crazy world I would I would suggest and he even says it himself when he was medicated, but when he was at his absolute uncontrolled, oh, my God, I don't want this child. What have I signed up for? But I need to fight for this kid because he would be just like he'd wake up angry and he'd wake up cranky and flat and, you know, it would be an effort to get him to dress and then he'd get really aggressive and the whole day would be me trying to stay ten steps ahead of him, reading noises and reading things and trying to, you know, um, guide him through the day as best as possible and also uh, uh, attend to his sensory needs you know giving him the deep pressure giving him the right foods to eat like he was very oral so he'd chew on things or he'd you know or he'd want to bite something you know um so you know giving him carrot sticks or ice block blocks or um he was a massive sensory seeker so i'd make goop and you know, give him a can of shaving cream outside and allow him to just get naked and, you know, put all that all over his body. So I'd give his body that feedback that he could just sit inside himself and be calm. Um, But right at the end of the day, I'd you know, as I'd tickle his back, you know, and get him into a slumber and just get him down from the day, this beautiful little child would come out, like this gentle, touching beautiful child would come out and that that was enough for me to go you know what you keep fighting mama keep fighting for your boy there is a little beautiful child locked inside this crazy yeah. world yeah and that's what i kept fighting and looking for and researching and it took me 6 years to find the information that i've just found no, it's crazy.
1: Um, it's and, so, and so you mentioned the parasites and you mentioned, um, I guess, uh, digestive or gut issues. Is it that he was bloated or he had diarrhea or, I mean, you said deficiencies as well. I'm guessing it was a naturopath that um, finally did the testing?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, with Archie, you know, toiling was very hard um, and a lot of the kids on the spectrum are really, really, really challenging to toilet. So, you know, um, he was – three and a half four four I think when we started to get you know in in jocks and um night nappies and that were a little bit later that's but, underwear for our international um, oh, sorry listeners. yes <laughs> she's just thrown in some Australian <laughs> slang there
1: yes okay well, we're educating that. people it's
2: great um yeah and it, uh, sorry <laughs> sorry yeah the naturopath sorry yeah yeah and so he would um so toileting was really hard and then on the other hand he would have like a oh my god I've got to go like it would be like it was a very like last minute something would trigger inside his body and then be an urgency um but no not a lot of bloating but just irritable really cranky and really flat a lot of the day and um so what did they do so the test that we've just done recently in the last 6 to 12 months, we've done extensive blood tests and we've still got a lot of tests to do but we did a bioscreen fecal test and that came back with um, parasites, so different parasites. And we've done our whole family so I don't have all the, the right names. You know? They're very long names. Um, but he also had very o- um, high overgrowth of the bad bacteria in his gut system and quite low of the good different bacteria. So he had those… And beta, of- are you talking or um with Archie it wasn't it was the eubacterium one um Mm. which you know he would get out of bed and he'd look like a crotchety old 70 year old man you know I'm talking a six six year old little boy who should just fly out of bed and be full of energy and stuff like that he would get out of bed and you'd think he'd be riddled with arthritis like he just uh, 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 you know just really crotchety Mm. and um so we've started to really um we've Cleaned him his system out, and we're just um, supplementing with the right bacterias now. We've done truckloads of fermented foods, um, so we've got onto Kirsty Worth's um, cultured wellness cultures, mm-hmm. and they're incredible. So you know, you just—it's amazing where the journey brings you. It has taken me and um, has brought the most incredible people into my life that I love and adore and am honored to call a friend now and they're people that have massive recovery stories on their own you know own right so there's definitely a beautiful tribe thing happening and you know and there's lots of recovery stories so for me when I was first looking into it all and you know felt like I was just hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall it took me six years to find the Mount mind foundation and gut health and biomedical doctors and all these people that and naturopaths and you know and integrative health and people that are just like it's just it's working you know it's yeah. it's it's well, healing Well, that's, that's exactly with
1: well, the, the proof is there is off the medication so
2: absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. did so, you want um, to share a bit about what the mind foundation is oh absolutely but I was just jump back to his deficiency so he was oh, very yeah. deficient in um in his vitamin Bs he was deficient in zinc and magnesium and you know with um in regards to like your zinc and stuff it takes you know quite a few molecules of zinc to break down your heavy metals stuff so When we've done lots of blood testing, even though if he had been tested when he was two, when he was super aggressive, and I believe for me personally um, a lot of it has had to do with certain vaccinations given to him when he probably his system wasn't ready for them, um, has tipped him over the edge. So we believe like when they're high in copper and stuff like that, the side effect to high copper is aggression and things like that. So when they're deficient in zinc, which most kids in australia are it's hard to get zinc zinc in in. really yeah um if they haven't got enough zinc on then they can't break down those heavy metal um molecules as well so it's sort of it all makes sense now now that i'm you know archie's eight all of his symptoms in those early days just make so much sense as to his massive bombardment of antibiotics and you know he's he's um His, you know his birth like his traumatic birth and all that it just all started from there you know he had a caesar baby so he never got that you know my bacteria he was born into a sterile environment and yeah just hit with everything in the hospital so and what about the other two kids because you've had two since we have, yeah, so josie um Josie was born two years later, and she was very developmentally delayed um, had yeah, she just never hit markers really, really late, and they were she was under observations of having um you know, um, a neurological yeah, a neurological type disorder. So, um, so but she too had truckloads of antibiotics. She was a Caesar baby. Um, I my waters partially broke with her, and so she didn't progress. And because I'd had such a traumatic birth with Archie, they wouldn't give me any intervention at all to try and get her coming down or anything like that. And everything that I tried never w- didn't work. So she was just pretty much after 24 hours and IV antibiotics, um, she was a Caesar baby. So her her whole start to life was very compromised with antibiotics and her gut flora would have been way out of whack as well. So she has shown a lot of signs but not enough to formally diagnose um, and since we've been addressing her gut stuff. So Josie has massive um, overgrowth of bad one and she didn't even register for um, – which one was it? Not strep. Um what's the most common good bacteria? Lactobacillus. Yeah. Didn't even register. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and so how can she go through life and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and George, he's the same. Like George was a Caesar baby and um because we had made quite a few changes with him with our lifestyle, um, we haven't had gluten in our life for nearly two years now. Um he hasn't shown half these symptoms because his diet hasn't contributed to it and we've been chemical-free and things like that, so it's played a big role in it as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost like often the, the second or the subsequent children, I guess you're more depleted because you have fed a baby, grown a baby, and so they get less, but I guess with this, you know, awareness that you've actually changed the lifestyle and environment for the whole family that they've also been able to benefit yeah absolutely yeah and so Archie's gone to normal school all the time and that's all fine (sighs)
2: No, so um, with Archie's schooling, so preschool at four, I think it was a four, so oh, kindy, it's called different things everywhere all over the world, but um, before he started school, he went to like a pre-schooling type thing, and um, they did a beautiful job with him with visual pictures and things like that, but they couldn't really control him as such, so we decided to send him, to give him a good start, we did truckloads of early intervention, truckloads of occupational therapy, truckloads of speech therapy, we did Gymbaroo we did lots of brain training type you know um, setups and swimming lessons and stuff like that to give his body the right feedback and then we were fortunate enough to get him into a autism friendly or autism specifically school here that was in Albury and we thought that that would be the best set you know start to his schooling life i knew deep down that he would be fine and he would go through school i trusted my intuition there um but he he did start at a special school um at four uh what was he four and a half he was very young yeah very young yeah but he's mainstream now he's um he's been mainstream nearly two years um and we have done with all this gut health work that we've done in the last 12 months um just only recently in the last sort of five months we've got him off his Ritalin uh, his medication for ADHD and you know we've had our ebbs and flows with school you know it's it's been a process because he it's going to take good six to 12 months to really restore his gut flora and really restore his deficiencies and things like that it is a process but you know he's he's thriving he's starting to really thrive at school Well, no, I think it's, it's really amazing. important that
1: you mention that that this road to recovery is not an overnight thing and that you know it does require perseverance
2: oh absolutely absolutely you feel like you you know take one step forward and then three steps sideways and one step backwards and then four steps forward it's just like <laughs> it's I a washing
1: on, on the positive the note is the that there is there is light at the end of the tunnel I mean that's what you're definitely um experiencing
2: Absolutely, and the thing for me is you lean on the people that are further down the journey than you, you know, and you feel like that it's it's all too much at some stage. You know, even just we've just had a few meetings with the school just recently and they're like, um we did a whole parasite cleanse and, oh, my gosh, that was like him going back on the riddle and it was ridiculous. His, the neurotoxins that these little parasites were releasing into his poor little body was horrific. And um, also he's very affected by salicylates, which is the natural food chemical in a lot of fruits and vegetables. And we're just about, you know, our process next is to do the whole GAPS gaps um, diet but to really heal his gut system. But, you know, the, the teachers were like, um what's going on? He's, you know, he's gone backwards dramatically. And, you know, are you going to start medicating him again? Because we've really noticed a difference in his ability to concentrate, um, his involvement in class, all of this sort of stuff. But his anxiety never came back into it. You know, this kid that would never get up on stage in front of class, got up and played the drums in front of the whole class. Like that was, that yeah, was only a matter of a few weeks ago. that was my one of Rick and my proudest moments you know seeing this little kid up there smiling bashing out the drums you know in front of two hundred and fifty kids yeah. Um, but yeah it's been a, it's been a journey and, and and we're lucky that our school has been so sort of open and willing to you know help us in the process. They've really supported him with his occupational therapy and his sensory breaks and stuff because he's needed those a lot since we've been doing the parasite prep um treatment and and getting his gut bacteria but this last week he's just kicking goals he's smashing like he's coming home with stickers he's coming home i love school mum. he's back on top of his class with his reading and stuff and you know no only a matter of a few weeks ago they were saying oh we're very worried i think you should put him back on his medication and thank god to our new integrative health um pediatrician biomed pediatrician she's like no 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 six or 12 months just you know be patient, guys, be patient. It's the process.
1: Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I um it's exactly what um why we did this episode. It's just the like like I said, the light at the end of the tunnel for many women or, or parents out there, I guess, that they need to hear. I'm sure you've got many affirmations or quotes that have um, helped you along your journey through this process, but maybe you've chosen one to share. <laughs>
2: I do I've got two actually I've or, yeah I've got three different things but two um don't judge me you can't handle half of what I've dealt with there is a reason I do things uh, and there's a reason that I am who I am and that probably comes from you know uh, we've. when you go through a journey of of autism or any form of massive disability you you find out who your f- true friends and family are yeah. And, you know, on our journey, we've definitely lost a lot of those friends. So for us, we were no longer to be able to go to um, festivals or um big functions at parks where, you know, big family functions that, you know, you go on, you have a ball with your kids. We just couldn't do any of those. Even basic barbecues or basic get-togethers at home um, was just ridiculous. So we really withdrew as a family and a lot of our friends sort of fell off the bandwagon there. Um, And the best one probably is that – um a friend of mine who was further down the journey she said this time will pass and it will get easier just keep you know keep pushing forward so that was something that i really held close to my heart when things were getting really hard yeah
1: and i think that's true for a lot of things
2: i mean Mm. you
1: know it's it's in a lot of i guess religions and philosophies you know um this too shall pass
2: yeah, absolutely. And if there's any listeners out there that are just in the early stages of a diagnosis of autism or, you know, any developmental delays or, you know, something that's pretty significant to what you'd sort of had envisaged of becoming a mum and becoming a parent, there's a beautiful poem out there called Welcome to Holland. It's by Emily um, Perry Kingsley, and I'll give you the link to it. But when we first were going down the, the whole process of our diagnosis and doing some support groups and that with other mums that were in the similar path this poem just it made us all cry it was like someone thankfully finally got what our crazy life had become and it's about you know when you first become a mum or a parent and you have this whole beautiful dream inside your head of how beautiful it's going to be and it's going to be amazing and angelic and just beautiful and glorious and you know and the country that you're going to go to is Italy, gorgeous Italy, beautiful food, amazing people and stuff like that. But when you get a child with a diagnosis unbeknownst to you, your plane takes a different path and it takes you to a place called Holland, which is a different language, a different, you know, country altogether, different look, different feel and a way different way of doing things. So, you know, for that it's the poems all about keep going forward and it's a beautiful new language that you learn and and stuff like that. So, you know, reach out to people to help you, and look for good books to give you an insight into what's going on, and and never give up, never give up the fight. Keep you know, keep pushing forward.
1: Super great advice. Um, and I guess this whole um episode has really been about a, a long journey of struggle, but maybe that you know, there's been something else just to. I don't know, help help create our community here that we have, I guess, globally. It's almost like a mother's group of support that if there was a time that uh, you struggled, you know, how you got out of it really so that people can, I guess, not have to reinvent the wheel.
2: No, absolutely. For me, my whole journey as being a mum, I've pretty much hated the whole thing. It's been really, really tough. Like it's, yeah, my biggest advice for people and I really hope that one day things will turn around is when our mums had us – there was a lot of support and for some strange reason with the craziness of the world as it is today that support sort of dropped off by the wayside you know we no longer have beautiful neighborhoods where the kids go out and play in the streets or you know um, someone's doing a little bit of tough next door and so you bake them something for dinner and things like that so my biggest dream is that that comes back into life you know we support each other and you know, take a big step backwards with the craziness of the world, and um, just check in with each other, and make sure you know if you see that the house, the lawns are overgrown, just you know, go and offer to mow their lawns for them, or something simple like that. I think that makes a huge difference in someone's life.
1: Yeah, we've said it many times on on, um, the podcast that it takes a village to raise a child and um, I definitely didn't come up with that saying. Um, It's very well known and I guess in a lot of cultures that's still how they do it and I guess yeah, just in the West um, life gets busy. What would be some of the best advice that you ever received?
2: Best advice that I've ever received? I guess you touched on it a little bit as well
1: with um, this this time will pass.
2: Yeah, just never give up you know just keep pushing for my grandma at 91 when um, things were pretty tough for us and you know at 91 for someone to get autism or to get my son like she did was just beautiful and she passed she's been gone 12 months now but she said to me and she was 97 and a half when she died but she said to me at 91 she said Kinta things are going to get tough you know in your marriage and stuff like that and with kids it is going to get tough but When it does get tough, you just drop that shoulder and you push that to that wheel and you just keep driving forward no matter how hard it gets, just one step in front of the other and I've never forgotten that advice and it's so true to everything, you know. You've just got to keep breaking it down, put one foot in front of the other or even if it's, you know, the whole day with my depression, anxiety, you know, I, I couldn't even function for minutes at some stage and you just had to break it down to increments of one minute at a time or you know um that's probably my biggest advice
1: yeah no i mean we even said it before i said it to you um before we pushed the record button just that you know what a power woman you are and i think just before when you said um the don't judge me you don't know what i've been going through or um the way you said it i think um that's something that i guess the world needs to remember as well that you know when people are maybe not responding how you would expect them to respond that you know you don't know what they've been through I guess
2: oh absolutely and that's probably been my biggest gift with Archie and and even my diagnosis of depression anxiety like you don't know what it's like until you've actually walked the road you don't know what it's like to have a child with disability or autism or sensory issues until you've walked the road so People just need to take a big chill pill. Stop judging. Like stop judging those poor little crazy kids in the supermarket that can't stop touching things or you feel that they're being naughty or things like that. Like just don't judge. You just you don't know what is going on in the background and you don't know what that poor little child's going through. So that has been our biggest gift is we don't judge anyone we no longer judge anybody like i've got a friend who's um you know she had meningococcal and she's got she's got no legs and she's got stumps as fingers and she's a mother of 3 i had no idea she had no legs <laughs> that's how much our whole view of you know world and disability and all those sort of things has has made such an impact on our lives is I got the rudest shock I went around there to have a cup of coffee with her and she pops and opens the door and she's in a chair I'm like what the hell <laughs> Didn't you know? I said no idea I just never saw I saw beautiful Liza. like I just you know um that's been our biggest gift and our also our, our next biggest gift is to enjoy the little things in life for us, little milestones, Archie hated his little sister. He couldn't interact with her without hitting her. So for us, when they first played beautifully on the trampoline together and there was not one, not one hint of aggression, we cried. Like something so simple and that so many people take for granted. This was two years in the making. And it happened, and it was like, wow. So you know, for us, the simple pleasures in life are huge, yeah. and it's it's a, it's been a beautiful gift. Um, there must be so many
1: resources that you want to share with the listeners. Um,
2: I have truckloads. <laughs> okay,
1: well, I mean, let's just go with the highs, uh, the top ones, mm-hmm. and then we'll include the rest in the show notes.
2: Yep. Well, for us, um, our biggest, you know, um, struggles was finding the right information um so for me my biggest shout out is to the mind foundation so that's m-i-n double d foundation and they've been known in the past you know people just they're scared i suppose they're scared of the unknown or the whole alternative therapy sort of stuff has got such a you know media just take it way out of control but trust your gut people everyone needs to trust their gut so the mind foundation has been what has provided the most incredible answers for us and also brought into our lives the most incredible healers and beautiful mamas of kids that have had autism and have completely healed all their symptoms so i shout them out big time and also like finding good biomedical integrative health doctors and they're on that link of the mind foundation they they, are uh, yeah. yeah they are and they've got a massive database of of doctors um a lot of them are australian but you know there are definitely great people over in the states and other countries that are doing massive things and i'm sure if you emailed them at the mind they would put you in in touch with the right people um and then I've got my beautiful naturopath, Helen Patteron. She's she's online. She's kicking massive goals with gut health. And um, a few other people like Charlotte Carr and Therese Kerr have been massive influences in in our lives. Um, so Charlotte Carr has Bubba Yum Yum. And um, Therese Kerr is all about removing the toxic chemicals in the everyday products and household environments and, and what that's actually doing to our health. And so that whole combination of people is what's got us to dropping massive symptoms i'm no longer medicated for my depression anxiety and um and thriving and same as archie he's you know he's off all his adhd medication and his anxiety medication so it's thanks partially to to these amazing people and and foundations so yeah what's Baba yum yum Bubba Yum Yum Charlotte Carr. So um, here in Australia they got a little bit of negative press just recent or a little while ago with um, Pete Evans. So Bubba Yum Yum is the most – beautiful website that has incredible gut healing recipes and whole food recipes for your kids and charlotte's um little angel will he has um she has addressed all of his gut issues and he's thriving as well and she's just she's amazing she just came down recently um just recently i organized a massive forum here in Aubrey and we had over a hundred people come and listen and Charlotte and Helen and Therese and the Mind Foundation put it on and it was incredible like um, they came and talked about what you know their process has been and Helen talked about different diets and how they help everybody because everyone's individual like it's not one thing fixes everybody no one no two kids are the same on the spectrum so it's a process and it's about finding the right people that are going to help you yeah and the right tests that show what you need you know what you're deficient in or what you've got bacteria issues in so it's about trusting your gut and and finding those right people so i can't speak highly enough of Bubba yum yum and um
1: no i definitely knew about the pete evans and the and the bone broth and all those issues for with the book and things like that but i didn't know about Bubba yum yum but i um I guess I just really, um, because you've been doing so much work in this realm and and you're here, I know that you've um, started your own website and I wanted you to share how can people get um, in touch with you and find out more about what you're doing.
2: Oh, give, give well, us all your contacts it's 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 all in the very early early stages so um just under a lot of people have been asking us and follow and they're very very keen following our progress so they've um asked me to start a blog mm-hmm. and to tell people of, of what our journey's been like and where we've gone and you know what we've done and what we've implemented so you can find me at com. so i'll i'll pop the um the link in for you there Kaz but it's all very new and it's all exciting and I don't know where it's going to go. A Facebook page just, or Instagram or or that's all on the website page. is it? Um, I'll, I'll pop that all on there but I do have a Facebook page and I am on Instagram as well so feel free up.
1: to share or that's your personal yeah. page you mean?
2: Uh, no I've got it I've got one set up that I'm just about to launch that will be open to the public so Okay, cool. It's all very, cool. very early days,
1: Kev. That's good. That's good. Well, I mean, things stay up in iTunes for a very long time. So maybe some people are listening to this a year after we actually, you know, um, recorded. So whoever knows, it's the way, it's the way of the world with the World Wide Web and iTunes that things stay up there a long time. So you know, by then, someone might be listening, and it's like, oh wow, she just got this up there, and look how well it is. So you never know, right? <laughs> Thank you so sorry. much for sharing. Um, well, I guess your personal journey, really and parenting journey and Archie's recovery and yeah I'm just um if we can help one person out there I know that um that's enough for me and I'm sure it's more than enough for you as well which is why you're doing the blog it's not it takes a lot of time to put into a blog I know it's uh, more of a passion project than anything it doesn't you know pay but it's more that you um you're giving back and serving and making sure that other people don't have to suffer and so thank you
2: pleasure yeah that's it and you know in the midst of all that you sort of feel very alone and very isolated so if 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 people can find the information that took me six years to find a lot quicker because of me then i'm a happy girl
1: yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely awesome thank
2: you pleasure
1: thanks for having me yeah welcome welcome you can you know tick that um box
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right take care bye you too thanks kaz bye bye
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time, here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. Damo, do you want the first and only certified organic bone broth in Australia? Do you want a broth with no hidden thickeners, yeast extract, salt or flavour enhancers? MP, I want a broth made by hand from start to finish with nothing but love and positive vibes. Well, that's why you're left with only one broth, Damo, and that is Broth of Life. Oh, oh, oh. choose from dehydrated bone broth in chicken, beef, and lamb. You'll also find FODMAP-friendly stock. That's FODMAP-friendly stock. Veggie stock and chicken salt, all available at brothoflife.com.au. And a special for Wellness Couch listeners. Enter the code wellnesscouch2016 at the checkout before November 30 for 10% off your order. So awesome. The code again is wellnesscouch2016, only at brothoflife.com.au.